Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Amen. Thank you, Miss Ginger. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles today to the book of Joel. Book of Joel, as we continue, as we continue our study in the book of Joel. Now, in Sunday school, we've been studying through the book of Job, all right? But uh, here in our morning worship, we're studying the book of Joel, the prophecies of the prophet Joel. And last time, and we'll just do a quick uh, review, we read uh, the, the question that Joel asked the people. Has anything like this happened in your days? And he was referring, and you can read of this in the, in the first chapter, he's re- referring to a, a plague, an infestation of locusts. But swarm after swarm after swarm after swarm of locusts came through, especially there in Judah and Jerusalem, and ate everything in their way, leaving total and complete devastation. And so we asked the question, has anything like this happened in your days? And you'll recall last week that we asked this question with respect to what we have just gone through in terms of the pandemic. Has anything happened during your lifetime like this, where the entire world was shut down as a result of a pandemic? 
And I want to read again that, that quote that I, I read last time because it is so, so accurate. The book of Joel never views disaster as only a natural event or as an accident. All things are under God's control and more specifically, relate to God's larger purposes for the world and Israel. As such, Joel contributes to our understanding of the problem, the problems that we have. In particular, Joel enables us to see that while disasters can be very painful and are a legitimate reason for mourning, they are always within the plan of God. The pandemic we mentioned didn't catch God by surprise. And we also mentioned 9-11. You'll recall this September will be 20 years ago. It seems like just yesterday, doesn't it? And yet, it happened. And God allowed it to happen. And I mentioned that last time, and I wanted to clarify some things. God allowed the pandemic to happen. Everything is under God's control. But that doesn't mean that God approves of those things. You follow? You see, here in the book of Joel, Joel speaks to the nation of Israel, but he also speaks to all nations. And it is God who is speaking to us. God who speaks through the prophet Joel. He spoke to ancient Israel, and to modern-day Israel. He spoke to ancient nations, and he speaks to modern nations. Because the Word of God, although written in a specific period of time throughout history, yet the message of the Scripture is timeless. It is for all generations, and it is for all people, and it is for all nations. It is relevant. It was relevant in the time in which it was written, and it is relevant today. We've asked this question many times. Which of the commandments are you going to throw away? Which of the commandments are no longer relevant? The commandments of the Lord are always and will forever remain relevant. And we as God's people are to be consistent in our, in our lives, consistent with God's standard. And then secondly, the message goes out to blow the trumpet, to blow the trumpet in Zion. There in Jerusalem, and throughout Israel, as well as in other nations at the time, the trumpet was used for several purposes. One was to sound a warning, the warning of impending attack or an imminent attack. The trumpet was also used to call the people to worship. The melodies, if you will, or the blasts were different. A long, sustained blast was the warning that an attack was coming. The short, short blasts were understood to be calling the people 
to worship. Now what I find rather uh, rather interesting is that, because uh, we, we, we know about the shofar, the ram's horn, the, uh, the horn of the ram was, was then um, used as a horn. But during the time of Moses, God gave specific instructions to Moses to fashion two trumpets made out of silver. <coughs> One of those trumpets was used to call the people to warning that attack was imminent, the other to call them to worship. And today, we have uh, the air, the, the, the warning, uh, what do you call it, the air raid, uh, you know, this, uh, that alarm that goes off and rings, okay? And we mentioned also last time that in the military, there, there are guys that are positioned in what are called listening posts. And their job is to listen. Now, we've spent a lifetime trying to get our children to listen. <laughs> but our parents spent a lifetime trying to get us to listen. <laughs> and, and the Lord wants his people to listen. We're to be ever listening. Because the Bible says that in the end of time, that trumpet of God is going to sound. And the dead in Christ will arise. Amen? And those who are alive shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. And forever shall we be with the Lord. But when that occurs, there is coming a time of judgment, the Bible says, such as never was on the face of the earth. And we studied this morning in the, the book of Job. A couple of things that Job said to his friends. He said, you know, you guys are miserable comforters. Here Job was, was struggling. He had lost ten children. Imagine that. Ten children. He lost all of his wealth. Everything that he had, had built up over his life, he lost it all in a day. And then he, he lost his health, and from the bottom of his feet to the crown of his head, his body was filled with sores and boils, and he, he sat on an ash heap and scraped himself with, with broken pottery, scraping. And his friends come along, so-called friends, pointing the accusing finger. And you know the, the saying, with friends like these, who needs enemies, right? Instead of comforting him, they continue to point that accusing finger. You must have done something wrong. You're guilty. Even one of them went so far as to say that he didn't believe that Job believed in God. And he was getting what he deserved. And of course, Job said, you guys are miserable comforters. But he went on to say, all this stuff that you're saying, remember this. There's a judgment coming. There's a judgment coming, and you're going to be held accountable for your life as well. Well, here in the book of Job, he teaches that there is a judgment coming. We're going to read the second chapter in the book of Joel, beginning at verse 2, or rather, beginning at verse 1 in chapter 2. 
Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. And we said last time that the day of the Lord is a specific phrase that is used in the scripture to point to a specific time. And we know that the day of the Lord is coming. It is a day of judgment. The Bible says it's a day of darkness and a day of gloom. But it also includes many events throughout history. Because whenever God brings judgment upon his people, it is like the day of the Lord. It is a, it is a warning of that judgment that is yet to come. And judgment is coming. If 9-11 wasn't enough to awaken a nation and awaken a world to the frailty of human life and to the truth that evil exists and seeks to destroy all that is good, then a worldwide pandemic ought to get our attention. For the scripture teaches that God speaks to his people, the nation of Israel, and he says, all of these things I bring upon you, and for what reason? That you will lift up your heart and turn to God. For the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like the morning clouds spread over the mountains, a people come great and strong. The like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. A fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. There is an army coming, and what do we know about the nation of Israel? They broke covenant with God. They broke this covenant relationship that they had with the Lord. Now, Joel's name means Yahweh is God, or the Lord is God. There is no other God. There is but one God. And he has spoken to the nation of Israel, and he has spoken to the rest of the world through the nation of Israel. Israel. And you notice Israel is still in the news today. And you hear of all of these different groups, all the different groups complaining about all of the different things that have happened to them. Nothing as bad or for as long has happened to any group than to the nation of Israel. All of those other nations, with a few exceptions like Egypt, they're gone. They've been destroyed. Now, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you before or not, but did, were you aware that Saddam Hussein, Saddam Hussein considered himself to be a modern reincarnation of King Nebuchadnezzar? Did you know that? And do you know that his desire, Saddam Hussein's desire, was to rebuild the city of Babylon because it's located in Iraq? And this he was doing. He had begun work on rebuilding the city of Babylon. What is significant is that, you see, Babylon, God used as his arm of judgment against the nation of Israel because they continuously refused 
to live according to the covenant that God made with them. Now there have always been a remnant, a remnant of, of, of Israelites, of, of Hebrews, who faithfully loved and served the Lord. But sadly, tragically, the majority turned to false gods. And you know that here in the United States of America, as well as in the rest of the world, there are a remnant of people who, who love the Lord. But the majority of people in the world, many, don't even believe that, that God exists. And so the Israelites were carried off by the Babylonians. And prior to that, they were invaded by the Assyrians. And prior to that, they were held captive as slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And their land was invaded. And yet, Israel still exists because God gave the promise. He gave the promise that from the four corners of the earth where he had scattered them, he would draw them back. And he uses this phrase, in the latter days. In the latter days. How do we know that we are living in the latter days? Israel is there. I find it interesting that in 1947, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. Right? So God's, God's word. Not that we didn't have copies, but you know, you had all these people uh, doing their best to undermine the validity of the scripture, saying that, that what we had today had been changed. Now, there are many groups who change things. But when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, it took about 20 years for them to, to decipher, and they're still, they're still deciphering and analyzing and, and putting things together. What we find is that what was contained in the Dead Sea Scrolls are consistent with what we have in our modern translations. So of course, the naysayers, the unbelievers, you know, they're, they're just hushed on that. But Israel was carried off. And after 70 years in Babylon, they were allowed to go back into the land. And you'll recall, we, we preached through the book of Nehemiah, the great wall builder. The great wall builder. It's interesting, isn't it? That even in ancient times, they had, they had walls to, to outline their borders. But when Nehemiah first heard of the condition of Jerusalem, he wept. He wept and he mourned. Because even though it had been like the Garden of Eden, after the Babylonians were finished, they left behind desolation. Continues in verse Five. With a noise like chariots over mountaintops, they leap like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble. Like a strong people set in battle array, before them the people writhe in pain. All faces are drained of color. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation, and they do not break ranks. They do not push one another. 
Everyone marches in his own column. Though they, they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into houses. They enter at the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them and the heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark and the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord, the day is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Judgment is coming. And you know, the unbeliever laughs at this stuff. They laugh at it. They think it's, it's funny. They think it's like a comic. And they read of the various miracles. And they laugh. And yet Israel is there. I can recall students saying, well, what's the proof? Where's the evidence? And I'll just say, well, Israel is there. All you have to do is buy a plane ticket and you can fly over there. It's there. And we would read different passages in, in the scripture, especially from Isaiah, where the Lord says that he would, he would restore his people and bring them back from the four corners of the earth and replant them in the land of Israel. And you'll recall that when, when Jesus came to Jerusalem in the final week, he wept. He wept. And, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her brood, her chicks. But you would not. You did not know the time of your visitation. They did not recognize that he is and he was and he is to come the Messiah. The only Messiah. There is no other. As a matter of fact, the scripture teaches that when he does come, the Jewish people are going to look upon him and they're going to ask the question, what are those marks in your hand? These are the wounds that I receive in the house of my friends. And they're going to weep and they're going to wail because they're going to realize that he is and has always been the Messiah. Beside him, there is no other deliverer. And he is coming. And he is coming. And when he comes, he will come either as one savior or as one's judge. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? And so, verse 12. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. You know what I find interesting is that over in the, in the first chapter, you see when this, this locust plague had, had hit there in Jerusalem, in, in, in Judah, that there were no longer any produce for them to present at the temple for worship. So the, their worship services were interrupted 
Stop for a moment and let that sink in. Their worship was interrupted. What happened during the pandemic? Stop for a moment and think about it. The government didn't consider church essential. But boy, they could go and buy marijuana. They could go to the liquor store. Right? Yep. All of them. Let that sink in. Their worship services were interrupted. Our worship services were interrupted. That which we need most is the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that we're to be irresponsible. No. We're to be responsible. And the Bible teaches that we're, we're to be model citizens. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches that, that we may suffer because of that model citizenship, and God sees that, and God will reward us for that. But guess what? The Bible also says that he will hold the wicked accountable. For even though, even though he allowed Babylon to go in and to take Israel captive, he also said that he would hold Babylon accountable and they would be destroyed. And, they, and God will hold governments accountable. He will hold our nation accountable. Of all the nations of the world, with respect to Israel, of all the nations of the world throughout history, consider the United States of America and how God has blessed this nation. And now what the nation has become as an example to the rest of the world. A nation that mocks God. You say, how, how so does the nation mock God? And I've mentioned this before, and I'll mention it again. God is not confused with respect to a male or a female. You shouldn't be even. And our nation should never be. And it should never promote that. And the idea that they're going to take the symbol of the rainbow, which is a covenant that God made with Noah and the human race, that he would never again destroy the earth by flood. It is a symbol of his faithfulness. They want to take that as a symbol for gay pride. Read the book of Romans, the first chapter, and what it says. Not only do they find pleasure in, in doing that, but they take pleasure in others who are involved in that. It is wicked, and it mocks God's word. And it mocks God. Don't be a part of it. Don't be a part of it. He says, now therefore, turn to me with all your heart. 
That turning means to repent. And what does it mean to repent? It, it means to change your mind, to change your heart attitude. Where you were moving in this direction, now you, you change and you move in this direction. You were moving away from God, now you move to God. You understand, you come to acknowledge that God is right and the human race is wrong. It is wrong. To allow a child to decide whether or not they're a boy or a girl. All you have to do is look at them. You say, not these days. Not these days. It's wrong. It is sinful. As a matter of fact, this is what God says. When he was giving the law to Moses and Moses giving it to the people. God went so far as to say that it was abomination to him for any man to wear something that a woman wore and for a, a woman to wear anything that a man wore. Now what does that tell you? It means that things really haven't changed that much because he wouldn't have to tell them that if it wasn't a problem already. It's been a problem. And why did he destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? The judgment came. The angels went to Sodom and Gomorrah. But notice, God gave the warning. Didn't he give the warning? He told Abraham what he was going to do. And, and Abraham prayed on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah because he was praying for Lot, his nephew, and his family. He prayed on their behalf. And the Lord said, if I find ten, imagine that, in an old city, if I find ten righteous people, I will not destroy them. And we know the story. With all your heart to repent, to turn to God, to acknowledge that he is right and we are wrong, that he is holy and we are guilty. With fasting, weeping, and mourning, giving up not only food but also pleasure for a time. Acknowledging our own sinfulness and, and acknowledging that our nation is sinful. Sadly, laws are being passed. Now, you, you're, you're not going to hear this in the media. Just last month, some, some 200 plus thousand immigrants from 88 different countries have come into our country illegally. Now start counting, if that continues for several months and in several years, how many people you're talking about. Mourning. We know what it is to mourn, to grieve. When was the last time you mourned or grieved over your own sinfulness? When was the last time you were brought to tears and you wept because of some of the choices that you made in your life. The last time that you, you grieved, not, not got upset because somebody pointed out the fact that you're a sinner. We're all sinners. But when was the last time you wept and you, and you mourned 
We're moved to tears. Notice what he says. Rend your heart and not your garments. In, in ancient Israel and in the, in the ancient Middle East, it was common for, for people when they were mourning or, or filled with a tremendous amount of grief and sadness, they would, they would tear their clothing. You see, clothing was very precious as it, as it is today, but in ancient times, most people only had one set of clothes, maybe two. If they were, if they were well off, they, they might have three or four or five. What does that tell you about us? And so for them to, to tear their clothing was a tremendous sacrifice. But he says, rend your heart. Rend your heart. Tear your heart open before God. And be honest. Be honest about the life that you're living and the desires of your heart. Are the desires of your heart consistent with God's desires? The Bible says that when your heart's desires are consistent with his desire, that he'll give you the desire of your heart. Turn to me, he says. Return to the Lord your God. Verse 13. Return to the Lord your God. What kind of life are you living today? Do you live with your eye toward eternity? Or do you live for today? Just today. You know, most people live just for today. They live just for today. Just as long as I'm happy today. Just as long as I'm comfortable today. Just as long as that air conditioner doesn't break down today. I'm fine. And he says, return to the Lord. He gives the warning. The warning is judgment is coming. Now you need to know that God's judgment is coming. It is coming. There is a judgment coming. But God is gracious. Notice what he says. Return to the Lord with all your heart. For he is gracious and merciful. You know, people say a lot of things about God. What does God say of himself? When he describes himself, how does he describe himself? When God spoke to Moses, and he told him, well, because Moses had broken the, the original uh, tablets, right? God said, okay, get two more. I'm going to write them again. And so when he appears to Moses, he calls Moses to come up to the mountain. And Moses gets up to the mountain early in the morning. And of course, the Lord meets him. And, and the Lord gives him the Ten Commandments again, the second time. But as he, as he, as he passes by, right? Moses is in the cleft of the rock. And we, we sing that in one of the hymns. And he and he, and he basically he protects Moses because no man can, can see fully the face of God and live. But God describes himself 
And he describes himself as gracious and merciful. The Lord, the Lord God, gracious and merciful, showing compassion, forgiveness. This is how God describes himself. And Joel, in this message that God gave to him, reiterates that. Come to the Lord, repent. Turn your life around. Give your life to the Lord, for he's gracious. Now that word gracious, the Hebrew word hesed, hesed. He gives us a love that we don't deserve. He's devoted to us. Loyal, a loyal, devoted love. God has devoted himself to Israel and to all humanity. He desires for all humanity to know him. Hesed. When the Bible says that Noah found grace in the sight of God, the word that's used is the word hesed. Love. Devotion. Grace. Merciful. Merciful. Hamal in the Hebrew. Hamal. It means to pity. To be willing to spare. God is willing to spare us. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, and Jeff brought this out in our, in our lesson this morning, God says he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather desires that all people come to know him, to love him, forgiveness. And then notice, Slow to anger and of great kindness. Slow to anger and of great kindness. The Lord is the God of the second chance. Amen? And the third and the fourth and the fiftieth and the hundred. Our God is ever merciful. Ever merciful. He says, come to him. He's slow to anger. Now, in the Hebrew, it actually, when you translate it word for word into English, it means long in the nostril. But it means patient. God is patient. He's patient. And aren't you glad that, that God our Father is patient? Consider he gave Israel several centuries, and he sent them prophet after prophet after prophet. Until finally, the hammer had to fall. And for the last 2,000 years, the message of salvation has been preached. And now, more than ever around the world. And we see various things coming to fruition and fulfillment. The warning. I believe the pandemic is a warning. It is a warning to wake up. And God's people are to be Communicating that warning to people who do not know him. The Lord is coming back. Amen. Israel is there. 
Israel is God's timepiece. Over and over again. The Bible says and teaches that humanity and the morals of humanity will wax worse and worse and worse. Now he goes on and he says, who knows? The Lord relents from, from doing harm that is calamity. If God's people will, will repent. You recall when Jonah went to the city of Nineveh? Now Jonah didn't want to go because he didn't like those people. The Ninevites, the Assyrians, they were, they were, they were brutal people. They, they, they took the Jewish people they, into slavery they, and, and others. They would strip them of their clothing, put them in chains, and make them march and beat them and, and the, the atrocities. Jonah wanted nothing to do with the Ninevites. God said, you go and you preach to them. And you know the story. Right? He, he caught passage on a ship going in, a, in the opposite direction. The storm came up. They had to fill him over. And that whale swallowed him. God made him willing. There he was in the belly of the whale. And the whale spit him out on the shore. And Joah made haste and went to the city of Nineveh. And he preached the message. And the entire city repented. But a hundred years later, you see, because that repentance was, was short-lived. It was short-lived. A hundred years later, the Ninevites were destroyed. How much time do we have? Stop for a moment and think about it. How much time do we have? Have you, have you heard lately of all of the, the killings across the country? The number of people who are being shot, which is nothing new, you know, in Chicago. You, again, you won't hear that much on, on the news. All these lives that supposedly matter, right? What about those lives there? Every weekend, look it up. Every weekend, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, Sometimes close to a hundred in the city of Chicago alone on a given weekend are shot, many killed. But you don't hear about them. And that's just one city. America, I think, leads the world in murders. But what you'll discover is if you go to those specific cities like Chicago and Baltimore and Philadelphia and San Francisco, etc you'll find that that is where 90 plus percent of the murders in our country are committed. God relents from doing harm. He says, if you will repent, if you will acknowledge, if you will acknowledge your sin, and if you'll turn genuinely, repent in your heart, and come to me, I will forgive you. He says, who knows? Maybe God will leave a blessing. God asks this question, why will you choose death and not life? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Or wondered why people act the way that they do? Well, lastly, we'll close with this. What do we learn from this passage, or these passages? All nations, hence all people, are precious to the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have hope. 
hope in him. Just like Job had hope. Job himself, he said, I will see my Redeemer in the last day. God provides for, but also holds a humanity accountable. We're all accountable. God is gracious, merciful, and provides warning prior to judgment. And preachers are supposed to be preaching that that judgment is coming. The preacher's job is to warn. The preacher's job is to call. It's to sound the alarm. God is coming, and judgment is coming. Therefore, repent. Stop throwing your life away. God calls humanity to repent, to give him our hearts to turn or return to him. And so, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ today. People are full of excuses for not believing in Jesus. And guess what? They all lead to the tragedy of hell. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. The Savior is waiting. Let's stand, please, as we sing. You make your decision for the Lord today. pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word, and we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.